0: Welcome to the Low Sodium Show. I am your host, Mark Lenny Crew Wheeler, and we're um, gonna have fun tonight, y'all. Um, I know I say it every night, every week, but uh, it's a—it's uh, one. We're talking about a presentation, this, the show that is not used enough, in my opinion. Some guys use it, but the majority don't. Um, the majority of power fishermen don't. And I say that because this is a technique and most people think it's a slow and methodical and really time consuming. And really the way I do it is um, totally different and tons of fun and you cover lots of water um, when done correctly. So we're going to talk about weightless presentations. Also, we're going to talk about a couple of local tournaments, online tournaments. Um, You know, uh, the uh, KBF opens this weekend. We're going to chat about that for a minute and uh, a lot more. So stay tuned for that. But first, let me introduce to you the Yak Master Chum himself, Mr. Matt Trucks. What's going on, man? Matt, that was your cue, dude. Uh,
1: right. muted, right? Can you hear me?
0: Yeah, I can hear you. You've been unmuted oh. the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't
1: know that. I didn't hear it go unmuted.
0: Good well, evening.
1: Unmuted. <laughs> this is uh, Matt Chucks, the Yak Chum, uh, filling in as co-host, as always, with uh, Mark Wheeler on the Low Sodium Show. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to this one, weightless.
0: Yeah, you know, and it's, it's a technique that... It doesn't matter if you're from the shoreline, the boat. It, it just doesn't matter. You can fish this technique and be successful with it, all over the place. Um, you know, and, and the craze, I say the craze. There's been a large push lately because of the high quality jerk baits out there, for everyone. Go to the hard plastic jerk bait. I'm not a fan necessarily because I really don't fish a hard plastic jerk bait all that much, but. The same techniques you use for that, you can use for this, but you could also use a weightless technique, a fluke, a Senko, um, a, a, a frog, you know, um, you know, a, a million techniques, you know, with literally, you take a, a a packet of hooks and you're ready to rock and roll um, in your rod and, and a bag of baits. I mean, it's that, that, a perfect setup for for that, you know, low-sodium, get out there and fish for an hour during lunch you know what i mean so we're gonna break it down a couple techniques i use um and and a lot of other little little things that work very very well for me um and they were successful this weekend and we're gonna talk about that as well but we have got to take a quick break and we come right back we'll we'll kick this thing off right so stay tuned we'll be right back with more the low sodium show only on the kayak fishing radio network
2: Looking for a new cooler with a lifetime warranty and made 100% in the United States? Look no further than Orca Coolers. These roto-molded, rugged coolers feature premium-quality, seamless construction, meaning they're built to take whatever you and Mother Nature throws at them. Orca Coolers allow ice to keep for days, and they have non slip feet so your cooler stays where you want it. With secure external latch system, the lid always stays closed. Orca Coolers, made 100% in the USA, always has been, always will be. Check them out at orcacoolers.com. Bull Bay Custom Rods are handcrafted, designed, built by fishermen for fishermen. Each plank goes through a rigorous stress test to ensure the highest quality, period. You can actually feel the action of the bite as well as lure vibration through the foreground. Made with the highest quality components and made to your specifications. Bull Bay Custom Rods bring innovation to your hands. Go to bbrods.com to check out some amazing custom rods. Bull Bay Custom Rods, built by fishermen for fishermen.
0: All right, folks, real quick thing. Bull Bay has an amazing sale right now, amazing, um, on fishing rods. And you're going, what are you talking about, Wheeler? I'm talking about their, the new tactical light. I mean, we're talking light as a feather. At 2.8 ounces, you cannot find another rod that light out on the market right now. okay. With the microwave guides or the K guides, whichever you want, your choice. Regular at two hundred dollars, but right now on sale for one hundred and forty. So check them out at bullbayrods.com and let them know that the Low Sodium Show sent you. I mean, that is just that's a crazy uh, sale. Nice. Yeah, yeah, that's a great, <coughs> great setup, and the and the tactical series are perfect for this technique. Because it's a medium fast action, it's a really extra fast action with the medium power. To, I mean, it's perfect. Um, but yeah, so check them out at bullbabyrads.com and uh, and get up on right. that one. That's that's a that's a wicked setup there. Um, before you get
1: into our topic tonight, I just want to uh, uh, give a shout out to uh, fishaholic and Fisher Don in the chat room. What's up, guys?
0: What's going on, man and man and guest? Don't know if you're a man or a Thanks. woman. But, yeah, I guess
1: you can sign oh. in uh, at any time uh, through Bo- Blog Talk Radio using any social media, and, and you can join us in chat.
0: Yeah, or call in. Please feel free to call in if you're listening live. Um, you know, because we love talking to you. You know, even if it's for you know little things. You know, you have a question about line, or you know how to clean a reel, or you know a paddle stroke or my opinion on, you know, world peace, feel free to call in. And, you know, don't ask me about world peace because you won't get like your answer. Um, but <laughs> let, let's get right into it. And weightless, weightless techniques are not new, okay? I mentioned uh, last week's show with Juan Verrut, um, fishing a, a bubblegum worm uh, in Georgia, and I sh- forgot to research it again. <laughs> man, tisk tis on me. Um, but, uh, there's a tournament in Georgia in the 80s, uh, 70s, excuse me. Gentleman went in there, everyone else throwing spinner throwing spinnerbaits, crankbaits, stuff like that. And he went in there with a bubblegum worm, rigged, weightless, and destroyed, destroyed the tournament. Won by like, 30 pounds. I mean, it's insane.
1: But, um, so that- uh, Bazooka bubblegum, or is that just the color bubblegum?
0: Color Um, bubblegum. That that pink shade. And, you know, other tournaments have been won on it. Um, I know of a a classic that was won in the 80s on a sluggo. You know, the old school sluggos rigged weightless and fished. Um, You know, uh, I don't know how many small end tournaments have been won on a fluke. I've won two on a um on a weightless um fluke. Um they're my one of my favorite techniques to go to if that's what the the situation dictates. And I've actually got two bags of zoom in my hand. Now, um, Randy
1: Howell, that, that color crankbait he was using, that was kinda of like a bubble gummy kind of colour,
0: right? No, no, no. It was more of um of a red craw colour. You know, like that, uh, okay, like that deep red, I thought it was pink. you know, deep red with a little bit of orange in it, um but I'm a zoom fan, uh it's what I started fishing flukes with, um you know I, I've caught stripers perch, crappie, um, was there any other way to fish Lego, Carolina rig uh, we're talking about we'll talk about that on the show, um but you know zoom flukes are what i started off with fishing for stripers up north um one of the one of the best small marina inlet baits out there because all you needed was a, was like i said before was a fishing uh, 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 a a casting reel, you know uh, uh or a spin re- spin setup a hook and a sluggo and back then we used um the uh, uh, kale style hooks, you know, like the fluke hooks you see. That's called a kale style, old school setup. Um, to to rig this, the this, the the slugos or the or the flukes or stuff like that. And I've caught hundreds of bass, hundreds and thousands of bluefish, snapper blues, chomper blues. Um, I've caught fluke or flounder. Um, you know, I've caught uh uh. Blackfish or black sea bass. I've caught tog, you know, on flukes. You know, not not a whole lot of togs. Please understand. Uh, you know, we're talking like the occasional, like once every three years. I I hook a tog next to a pylon. Um, you know, and that that was my thing when I jumped into freshwater. Um, you know, it was always a presentation I had in my back pocket. Do I fish it a lot? No. Reason is, is I have technology on my side. I have baits that can do, this, do the job faster and better. But with that being said, this is not a slow technique, per se. Okay? When the fish are on, you don't have to spend time, you know, really working it, you know, working it slow. Literally, one of my favorite techniques is when bass are really associating themselves to cover, and are feeding aggressively. I I can see them blowing up on top. A lot of times, I'll just make a really long cast. As soon as it hits the water, I'll give it a three count. And I won't go farther than three. Just one, two, three. Engage the reel, and just reel five or six turns after the line comes tight. Stop it. Just let it pause, count to two. Scream it back, you know, five or six more turns, pause it for a second. Scream it five or six more turns. And I'll, that's what I'll do the whole way in. I won't pop the rod. I won't do anything. I'll just reel it in. reason is that sluggo or that fluke or that stick bait or whatever just, just kind of wiggles in, in the breeze like it's getting away all of a sudden. It stops. And when, a, when a, a, especially a fluke, when it stops, it kind of rolls sideways like an like a injured bait fish. <clears throat> I don't know how many times... You'll be sitting off and you see that line jump and start moving, you know, another direction. So, <coughs> you know, these are all, you know, things that, you know, I'd use to cover water, you know, that are in my head. You know, let's say I only had three or four crankbaits with me out there, and I bust every last one of them off. And I had no other way of power fishing. What I mean power fishing is moving is, – a is qu- better term would be quick fishing. I'm not going in – to a spot, and really picking it apart, per se, but I'm going in there, I'm looking for the most aggressive fish in that school, I'm looking for five or six, not even that many a lot of times, it's two or three, bass, boom, 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 and then I'm off to the next spot, okay, and and, and working those spots in in a timely fashion to put as many fish in the boat as I can, right, so, how I do it is... I'll use that technique. I call it the scream... Uh, uh, the uh, uh, the traffic jam. Okay? Because you all know it. As soon as you get it... You're in a traffic jam... You, you, you speed up... And all of a sudden you got to stop. Berk! Speed up and then you stop. Speed up and you stop. Traffic jam. Um, and then you go back to the old school... You know... Cast it out there. Let it sink a little bit. Snap, snap, snap. Pause. Snap, pause. Snap, snap, snap. Pause. And... One thing I will say on this, <clears throat> what you are looking to do is to snap that rod on slack line. Now, you can ask Fishaholic. He watched me on Sunday snap the rod like I was setting the hook. A lot of times, it would be snap, 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 snap. I mean, I'm talking a hard snap where you can hear the line crack, crack, crack on top of the water. Because so I'm snapping it that hard. And a lot of times the bait has only moved maybe eight inches, but that bait in that eight inch you know horizontal plane moving back towards me, has rolled and jumped and you know moved aggressively to either side, and then I pause it and I let it sink and twirl, and it is an absolutely deadly setup, you know and and you know I talked to a lot of guys on the tour. And that's called the KVD snap. If you ever watch KVD work a jerk bait, literally he goes from like a, a 3 o'clock position to, to, the, to like a 5, to a, a 5, 530 position with that rod zip. And a quick crack, crack, right back up to the 3. Crack, 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 crack. And he does it so fast. And he's doing it on such a slack line, the bait barely moves. Now the key to this is while you're snapping, you're reeling. And I'm not talking like two or three turns. I'm talking like a quarter turn of that real handle. Just crap, 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 taking that, 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 that spool. So you're just barely getting maybe a, a turn, maybe a quarter of a turn. Because you want to keep it on that slack line. If you keep it on a, you, if you keep a, a, a jerk bait like this, okay. And you can, and I'm not just saying flukes. What, oh my God, I just dropped it in the sofa cushion. Um, a lot of times. I won't use flukes, (coughs) because I'm looking for a much faster descent, or I'm working really fast with really aggressive crack, is I won't use flukes. I'll use Sankos, or stick baits, or whatever you want to call them, because they are so heavy that I can throw them on a casting reel. I'll throw flukes on a casting reel as well. As far as I can, crack that sucker as hard as I can. And you will just, you'll find that that'll make that bait move really aggressively, and I can keep it at a lower depth than if I was working a weightless fluke. Okay, weightless flukes I only use between zero and ten feet. Okay, especially if I'm working over a ledge like we were this past weekend. Absolutely deadly setup. Um you know, anything deeper than that where I need to work it really deep and keep it near the bottom is where I'll use a Senko. Again, 0 to 10 feet, but that Senko, I'll let it hit the bottom, keeping that slack line. Me snapping that rod tip makes it shoot off the bottom. Again, with slack line, I'll hit it one more or twice more and actually walk it in that water column. Again, it'll do the same thing and it'll rotate and fall. With a head-down presentation, okay, which is key to getting them to strike. You need that head-down presentation. If you're not getting it, re-rig it until you find it. You know, and literally, I'll work it, boom, 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 and I'll watch the line go. And you watch the line fall back, back in the water. When it stops, two things will either happen. A, I've hit bottom, or B, a fish has it. And if a fish has it, you'll watch that line jump. You know, it'll stop, it'll jump, it'll move. As soon as you see it moving, reel down and hammer them. I'm not talking just a, you know, eh, hook set. I'm talking, and yes, I am bringing it back just for y'all, if I can find it. And it's gone again. There it is. And I'm talking one of these hook sets. Okay? You absolutely pummel them. Okay? Gah! All right. Get them. And, and you will be surprised how many fish you'll, you'll put in the boat. Um, another bait that I use a lot of, um, and I've talked about it before, but this is for more of a methodical setup uh, because they are so light, um, is the pesky perches or the shads from Bass Pro Shops. Um, they make two different styles. I personally really like the, sh- the, the perches, um, especially now. They're in a bluegill mood. Right on many of the lakes out there with the bluegill population, they want to eat bluegill. So give them a bluegill. Give them what looks like a bluegill. Dip the tail in some chartreuse. They have uh, um, like a watermelon colored one. Dip that tail in some chartreuse. Weightless, or just a very small split shot in the nose. Um, Send it out there, and this is one of my the ones that I'll flip and pitch a lot. And I'll flip it out there. You know, on, on, a, on a dock, on a, on a bed, in a piece of brush. And I'll just feed it line. And I'll watch it, you know, fall. And when it falls, it kind of rotates and spins until I see it, that line stop. When I see that line snap, stop, snap. <laughs> when I see it stop, I'll kind of slowly reel down and give it a snap. Just one snap. Bop! And that snap, and again, I've, I've, I've done this on slack line. That beat's would have come off the bottom like a rocket. Ah! a good 8 to 10 inches. Okay? And it's going to slowly start fluttering again. Now, I'm only going to give it about a split second to flutter. Just to get me down a little bit. I'm going to snap it once more. Bop! Okay? And instead of doing uh, like the normal down style, where you actually move it towards you, this one is actually a vertical snap. What this does is it makes it go up. And when I give it slack, because it's already got a, its upward momentum, it's going to turn backwards and actually look like a bait fish dying and turning upside down, like they will do. And this is where you're going to want to watch that line. Watch your line. You're not, probably not going to see the bait, but you'll see the line. If that line jumps, gunk, or you feel that boom, that, that is what you're feeling is that plastic popping the back of that bass's throat. Okay, It is in his maw. Hammer them. I'm not talking again. Not not a weak hook set. Not a real hook set, like you do for like a um, uh, like a football jig or a crankbait you know, or even a, a Carolina rig. I'm talking you reel down and you try to fillet that fish in the water,
1: as
0: hard as you can. <clears throat> Get them out of there. Again, that's a technique for for heavy cover. Uh, For that one, I am using braided line. Now, I make that point because of this. All these presentations come down to how far you want that bait to go. If I'm fishing a a flat that's only two feet deep, it's got sparse cover, okay, I know the bass are there, like a spawning flat. I'm going to use braid with maybe a two to three foot fluorocarbon leader, okay? I don't want that bait to go and be dragging the bottom. I want to keep it up in the water column and work it all the way in. Now, like at Lake Anna this past weekend, we were dealing with situations where these bass were coming up from a deeper hole from the deep channel edges, okay, up to the flats. And some were relating to, to docks, some were relating to points, but all were relating to deep cover. I wanted that bait to fall, to be a little bit deeper. Now, granted, I've had, I had uh, um, about four or five fish that came on the surface. Or near the surface, near the surface about four feet. Three feet, if that, okay? But many of my bites, a lot of my misses, were in much deeper water. How did I get there? First thing I did is I upgraded my hook, okay? When you start doing this technique, having one style of hook is great, but having two or three of the same size or different sizes will give you a different action, a different depth or or fall rate on that presentation, okay? I started off with a uh, very light wire 3 aught extra wide gap hook, okay? I was keeping that bait very high on the surface, or I had to work it really slow to keep it down, um, which was great. I caught a bunch of fish like that, but I wanted to work that bait much faster. I wanted to really cover a lot more water than what I was doing, so I went in my box. I pulled out a uh, four-aught times two R-bend or Z-bend. If you look at a regular extra-wide gap, you have the eyelet and a uh, flat plane that comes down to a 90-degree angle, all right, and then it makes the, you know, the, the hook bend. What a Z-bend does is it comes out on that plane, does that 90-degree angle, but then it backtracks on a 45 back towards the eye of the hook and then around to your hook shank. So it it, it is basically its own little keeper on the end of your, on your hook. It keeps that bait from falling down. Now, it it was an extra strong, much heavier hook than that light wire, and it really helped to put more fish in the boat for me. I I mean, I was at four or five fish. I switched it up, and I caught five or six, boom, 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 right after that. And that could be the, the difference in it all, you know, with a lot of, you know, you know, you can feel them, you know, eating it and running, but I was missing the hook sets, um, mainly because I was having issues of that bait actually balling itself up along the, the hook point, and I couldn't get that hook set. It happens. Um, but, you know, those are little things that can really affect it. Um, you know, But the biggest thing with the weightless, weightless, weightless presentation of a plastic is you always want to work it in that jerkbait style on slack line. Okay, If you are moving that, that rod two or three feet and then you feel pressure, you're doing it right. But if you're moving it two inches and all of a sudden you feel it, all you're doing is you're just dragging that bait forward, which is a great technique sometimes. It's my, the bass will tell you what they want, the musky will tell you what they want. A Zoom Fluke Junior is a crappie killer, okay. The Super Magnum Flukes are a ma- are a big musky killer, hoagies, big fish killers, okay. <clears throat> but you know. Work them on that slack line. Don't be afraid to pop them. You know, if you're working the bait and you're popping really hard, and all you're getting is a bunch of swipes, you, you know, you're in clear water, you're working it, and you see that bass missing it. You go, what am I doing wrong? Do a little, little less aggressive pop. You know, just kind of, just kind of, just real light, just pop, 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 pop. And again, barely turn the reel handle while you're doing that, and you'll be successful change up the cadence they'll tell you what you want what they want I had several bass where I was just working it like a madman and a uh, uh, fishaholic in the test he watched one off the bow of his kayak um, I, I was working this thing and and I looked over at him I was like I was like you watch it man kaboosh here it comes boosh and all of a sudden boom here comes this bass out of the water with it ah, immediate hook set It was a great fight. Underneath his boat, I got tangled up in his stuff. It was awesome. Big old uh, 17-inch three-pounder. You know, that's what that bass wanted. Now, I had another bass where I was working it like that, and I watched it pump and miss it. Grabbed it and threw it right back out there, and I worked it a little slower. Like he injured that bass. Like he injured that, uh, uh, that bait fish. Just a couple of twitch, 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 twitch. 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 Twitch twitch. Twitch. And when I paused it that that real long pause I could actually see the bait twirl in the water and then it was gone. And <laughs> watch that line go in that unnatural direction. And I set the hook. Had a you know, little twelve inch buck bass. You know, these are all things that, you know, weightless baits can do for you. And again, you don't have to work them slow. You don't have to, you know, really be methodical with it. They will let you know if they are there, okay. Having a, a weightless bait run in front of their face, all erratic, and then pause and drop in front of them, especially coming up in the next week or two, when they see that bait falling, they they just get angry, and they hit it like a crane raptor. bow. okay, and, and literally. Work it over one spot. He's not there. Make another cast 20 feet away. Work it through there. And that's a clear water. Dark, you know, muddy water. Maybe five feet. It's all depending on what the fish are going to tell you. So with that being said, we'll be right back. When we come back, we are going to break down rod, reel types, line types that I use. Again, this is completely up to you, but this is what I use. And it's what I found very, very successful. Okay? Baits, hooks and other little tips to help you put more fish in your boat. So we'll be right back with more of the Low Sodium Show, only on the Kayak Fishing Radio Network.
1: Looking for a group of kayak anglers to share your kayak fishing adventures with? Check out yakangler.com, your ultimate fishing resource. Give me the flat to dawn with plenty of tailing fish.
2: And the perfect fly rod... And get ready for some magic.
0: Oh, that's an awesome eat! man. Oh, I got one. Oh, damn, I got him. I got it! I got him. Join
2: Bonefish and Tarpon Trust.
0: Nice fish.
2: And help make sure
1: that the magic never ends. Visit tarbone.org to find out how you can help.
0: All right, folks, it's that time of the year again. It is spawn time. It's time for bass to make babies. And one of the best fishing techniques out there is a shaky head and you know where i'm going with this tommy head jigs the best shaky head out on the market for not just shaky head techniques but for jigs and you know swim baits uh you want to throw a crawl on there work that crawl through there deadly um you name it you can fish it check them out at TommyHeadJigs.com let them know that Mark from the Low Sodium Show sent you catch more fish catch bigger fish limit your tackle to the best with Tommy Head Jigs
2: you are listening to the Low Sodium Show on Kayak Fishing Radio with your host Mark, the landing crew
1: wheeler.
0: Alright, we are back. Oh, I'm loving this stuff. Absolutely loving it. Maddie, you there, buddy? I'm there. <laughs> cool man. E-
1: excellent Uh-oh. so far. Uh I really like those hoagies for, for when I'm uh saltwater fishing for those bass. For those striped oh, yeah. bass. Oh, yeah. Yeah. same same sort of technique.
0: Yeah, I I use hoagies for, um, hey, turn on your radio. Um, But I use the hoagies for muskies, pike, pickerel, um, where they want that bigger profile. Um, I've also used them for bass as well. But I like to use that that 8, 10, 12-inch hoagie uh, for muskies. I just find it just the best you know, rock, 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 you know, and here comes this big musky who's following it and all of a sudden it stops in front of his face or I can really snap that rod tip hard. And I'm talking like a hook reverse hook set pow and give it line again and actually make that hoagie jump and turn and face that muskie. And I'm telling you, it is not a you know, nibble bite. Literally, if it is you know, if he has to come down into the mud to get it He's back to his tail in mud, just angry, you know, just, just stupid, Um, but yeah, you know, stripers, love, I love throwing them for stripers, because I can work it on the surface real fast, you know, a weightless fluke, work it really fast, so it's kind of skipping on the surface, you know, and, and bass go nuts for that. Wow! You know, just... Oh, yeah. And, and, and if I'm working a bait like that in the open water, I'm not using a, a weedless style. I've got that that hook protruded all the way out. Or I'm using a long shank um, octopus hook, you know, the, the old school style. And I'm just, you know, just right through like I normally would with a, like a jig head, pushing it down and, and going out with that hook, you know, sticking out. So while I'm working at that... Hook is being a big keel, right? And it, it wobbles it back and forth and makes it roll and dance. Um, but if it's not what they're looking for, and they're looking for that sh- that that rip style, you know, that one where you just cast out and just rip it in, you know, hit a handful of turns and then pause it. I'll actually come in, it come out the the belly like a hoagie will. And again, that, that works as a keel keeps keeps that beat running correctly. Um, you know, I've used flukes uh, on the charter boats. You uh, there are some companies that make some really massively humongous flukes, like I'm talking 12, 15 inches, uh, just long, just nasty flukes. Where I'll um, I'll rig a double hook rig in it, um, similar to a hoagie, and um, you know you can troll that behind the boat, and it just like a, like a madman, you know, and have the mate, or if I'm working the back, the the, the pit. You know, every so often, just open the bale real fast, let it let it die, kick the the bail back, and give it a few turns, and it wah, comes right back up to you. Just awesome setup. But yeah, I you know, weightless baits, sankos, flukes. Um, I've used creature baits, um, a lot. Weight uh, weight uh weightless. Um, if I'm fishing it, you know, if they're just really really lethargic, you know, especially around here, we've got such a, a shallow lake presence. You know, where it's five feet, I don't need, you know, much weight to get that bait down, if any at all. And if they're really being lethargic and they just don't want to bite it, like in the wintertime, it's one of those little techniques I'll use, you know, fluorocarbon line, pitch it out there on a heavy-duty hook. So that's the hooks, basically the weight, bringing it down. And just let that float and slowly descend, much slower than a Senko will, right in front of their face. You know, lot, and you and kind of bring that eats.
1: to the heavy cover last week, where uh, um, basically you drop that down right against that heavy cover and, and let it sink slowly.
0: Yeah, but this this is even slower. I mean, it is it's one of those things where you're going 30 seconds, and it's in 30 seconds it might drop eight feet, you know, in time. But it's one of those ones where you 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 use it, and they're there. They're gonna <coughs> they're gonna eat it, you know, and, and it's one of those ones where you throw it and you just let it slowly fall. It gets to the bottom. I might give it a pop or two. Maybe. If they're not there, then I start reeling it up. A lot of times, they'll follow it down. All the way to the bottom. As the slow to descend. I'll give it a pop. And they'll kind of jump at it, but it stops. And they'll look. I, I, I watched a bass do it. He, he was looking at it all the way down. I'm like, come on, eat it. And I'm feeding him line, feeding it line. He didn't eat it. I gave it a pop, he kind of jumped at it and stopped and looked at it, and I went ahead and just kind of just lifted the rod tip and reeled and shot it past him, and he turned around and chased it down and annihilated it, and this, is, this was a day, <coughs> we were talking, humongous cold front just went through, temps on that lake dropped 10 degrees, shallow lakes really have that huge fluctuation. And that bass, literally, I threw everything at it. I could see it along a stump. And I threw everything at it, and I finally went to the weightless presentation. Yeah, and I'm talking like 60, 70 casts on this damn fish. It was, it was a tournament. So I needed this. Was, this was my kicker bass. This was my, this, this bass weighed in at 7 pounds, 13 ounces, okay. That's how big this, 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 this donkey was, you know, let it sink, watch him, first cast on this technique, brought it up, she hammered it, I hammered her and put her in the boat, and it put me in second place at that tournament, you know. Nice fish. Yeah, great fish, you know, but the rest of my fish were buck, you know, pound and a half, two, two and a half pounders. You know, not not the, the quality I was looking for, but when you get a kicker bass like that, you know, it helps. Especially in the 11th hour. I caught that bass at, like, 2.15. You know, I had to be back in in 30 minutes. You know, it was that bass that I needed. And that was the, the thing that, you know, took me from a potential out-of-the-money situation. We're talking 30th and back to put me in second place in a very hard tournament. So, you know, that, that's how critical these techniques are. Now, the two rods I use predominantly for this presentation style, and this varies along people, okay? First one is a spinning rod, okay? It is the easiest when it's windy, and you need this style of presentation. It's also, here, I'll, I'm going to give a trick at the end. Um, you know, I'm using a, um, a fast action Medium heavy rod, okay, um, with the, that that ten to fifteen pound line weight classification somewhere in there. Um, I got a thousand or two thousand or uh, twenty five hundred size reel with extra spools. I always have extra spools. Um, so, like uh, this past Sunday, I used the the braid spool because I was fishing other techniques. You know, I use I do not use on my spin gear no more uh, for all my uh, bass fishing no more than 10 pound. Okay, I'm trying to put as thin of a line as possible. In, you know, through there. Um, sometimes I have one technique where I've got a 20 pound spool of braid um, tucked away, but that is for one technique and one technique only, and I use it on two lakes in the entire eastern seaboard. One is Briary Creek, and one is Lake Gaston.
1: Now, when you're using the braid, do you use a, uh, any type of leader?
0: Depends. If, I am, if I'm working that bait on the surface, I will use straight braid. Um, braid floats, and it will keep that bait high in the water column, right? Again, if I'm fishing that two-foot depth, I'll go with the three- or four-foot leader two to three, maybe four if I'm really pushing it, or they're really line shy, um, and no more than 14-pound fluorocarbon. Uh, you know, the, the lightest I'll go is, is, is eight. My, well, usually, I'll use 12-pound. It's that, that perfect balance of line size and, you know, strength that I need for what I'm doing, um, and, that, and my leader is what I set the drag on my reel for, okay, If you don't know how to set a drag on your reel, please send me a message and I'll send you links to find out how to find the drag on your reel, Um, find the poundage you need. And actually on the top of my reel, I have tick marks on it, right, where I've got, you know, for 8-pound floral, I know how many ticks I need to get from where I have it always at neutral. I have a neutral turn where I know if I crank it down tight and I back it off. Like I will do sometimes, you know, to find that, that, that guess, you know, it'll be, you know, eight turns, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight full rotations. You know, sometimes it's only four, sometimes it's 10, depending on the line, you know, and that's all depending on your reel. figure that out yourself. That's another show. Um, but for like this Sunday, I started off with about a four foot leader and I wasn't getting that bait deep enough. And I double, I I went really aggressive, I went to a heavier hook, I also went to like a 15 foot leader, something I really don't do a lot of. Why? Because I personally believe that once you start putting large amounts of leader material of fluorocarbon, depending on the fluoro itself, on your reel, you have just negated all the, the positives that braid has. You know, it... So, if I'm going to go with that length, I have a spool of 12-pound fluorocarbon that I'll put on there, if that is what in, you know, it, detail, it entails. I don't usually carry <coughs> Sorry, <coughs> my extra spools on the kayak. I've lost them over the side. I've had issues. I have a bag that I take with me when I go on the bass boats. That is where I'll keep extra spools and a lot of times, I won't change if we're trolling around. If we are planning on making a minute, minute and a half move, when he says, hey, we're about ready to go, I'll cut that line, get on that reel, set it up, pull that spool off, and while we're running, I'm, I'm restringing that rod. You know, re, re, doing the line on that rod, getting that next bait tied on so I'm ready for that next spot. Um, you know, really, really is highly productive. Now, when I am fishing... In wind to my back, I'm using a heavier uh, uh, weightless bait, a Senko, um, you know, a heavy salted fluke, uh, the, the, the KVD, um, caffeine flukes, the, the caffeine shads or whatever they're called, those, those are heavy, I can throw them on a, um, on my bay bay casting setup, I can throw a zoom on my bay casting setup, just not in the wind, um, you know, then, the, you know, I'll, I'll work through that, but my setup, again, is a, you know, that, that 12 to 15, 10 to 15, uh, pound line setup on my, you know, the, the the poundage for the, for that rod, real whippy tip, and usually I will use my crankbait slash worm slash, you know, everything rod to do this with, um, and I'm going with a high-speed reel. Again, I'm only making short turns on that reel handle. You know, barely. It's, it's probably less than a quarter of a turn, probably an eighth of a turn on that handle as I'm, as I'm snapping that rod tip. Um, you know, 6'5 to 1", 6'6 six, six to 1", 7 to 1, if, if you know, that's the reel I have on there. Again, extra spools. But all of those rods, I've only got a few rods now on my bay casting setups that have braid. I am in tournament mode right now. Um, you know, I've got the spools on the side with the braid, and, and my bay casting gear has 30-pound braid on it. Um, I've got another one with 20-pound, and I've got another one with 50-pound um, uh, braid, I think. See either 50 or 60-pound braid. Um, but I, I don't use them as much if I'm... 'cause I'm in tournament mode. That fluorocarbon and the reason I use the all fluoro is right now I'm not working any top waters. Okay? And if I am, I'm working, you know, buzz baits where I can rip it out there before it hits the water, I'm literally in my second rotation of my handle. So that sucker hits the water and it's skipping towards me. You know, just just screaming it back in um so i don't really need to worry about that floating line if i if i get stuck in a situation i've always got mono you know I could, I could put a a three four foot piece of mono on there if i'm walking the dog or i'm running a frog or something like that you know i've got options but you know i stick with floral on my bay casting reel and i highly recommend if you put floral carbon on your reels you buy a very good line conditioner. I am very partial to the KVD line conditioner. I have tried the Ardent Line Butter. I've tried the Bass Pro Style, the Cabela's, okay? But the KVD one is the driest one i found. found. The next one is that Ardent Line Butter. But that Ardent Line Butter, I break out from it for whatever reason. My hand, at the end of the day... Literally looks like I just, you know, washed my hand in poison ivy. I mean, it is broke out and gnarly. Um, you know, but that the KVD one is great. And a little tip for fluorocarbon. When you, before you start your day, when you spool the line on the reel, okay, every 30 or 40 turns, stop and give it a spray. Okay? Keep on reeling it. When you fill it up, give it a spray and leave it be. It needs to dry on the line. Okay? When I get out for that first that first trip after driver put a new line in, I get to the dock and I make a cast with just a weight on it. Just just set it out there. Okay. Reel it back in, pinching that line, getting it nice and tight on that reel. Once it comes back in, I'll make another spray and I'll put it in my bag. Throughout the day I'll pull it out, you know, if I'm if I'm having lots of you know blow ups or I'm feeling the line the line feels dry and 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 not supple again, a couple of squirts on it even when it's wet, and I'll go right back to fishing again. little things like that increase my casting distance increases my 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 line strength my you know everything that, that I need to keep going. another big thing is check your line off and if you use a fluorocarbon you know after you know ten or fifteen casts. I'll just grab it, you know, I'll check the bait, make sure it's still running right, and I'll just run my hand, you know, up two feet of that line. I'm feeling for any nicks or frays. And the great thing is, when you're fishing fluorocarbon, you're watching that line, you will start to notice when you get nicks high up in your line. You see that. Make a mental note. After that lure comes in, cut the lure off, peel it off until you see that neck, cut it, retie, and go back to fishing. That's the great thing about fluor. If you saw that on... Your braid to floor connection. And this is for me. I see that on my blade and floor connection. I have to cut a knot, cut the bait, pull out the spool, pull out what I need, retie, potentially screw up that knot, I have to retie it again. You know, I'm wasting time. I can't waste time. I have to be as efficient and as effective as possible to get the most out of my my winning fish. So I've got to keep that moving, and and that's why I've switched to all fluoro on a lot of my setups. It you know, it just is the the, the way I need to go for what I have. Um, now, any questions about that, Matt?
1: No, not at all. I would uh, okay. I'd run fluoro on on all my rods too. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, just a uh, good line, virtually invisible, from uh, what I understand. I don't know. I'm not a fish. I've never seen it coming across my face, but um, from what I can see, from my perspective, it's, it's definitely a, a good idea to use it on on every single outfit that you you own. I, I think.
0: I, you know, but I'm not being a major floral you know seller here. There are techniques. There are times where I want that braid. I want to have a thin diameter, heavy poundage setup for what I'm fishing. I need some sensitivity. I need a lot of things. But the only problem with braid with sensitivity, and here's something that I will fight someone to the death about, is if you're using braid and you have slack in your line and you can see on the surface of the water a little S coil or just a coil of braid, you have lost a humongous amount of your sensitivity. The sensitivity comes when it's tight on that line when, it, when the line is tight and you're moving it is when you have that sensitivity. That's why I do not use it anymore on on uh crankbait setups. I won't use it for rattle traps. You know, it I, I it's almost too sensitive. We're all pull it out of the fish's mouth. Um, one crankbait style I'll have to go back and and recant my last statement. The only crankbait style that I will use braid right on are the new super deep diving crankbaits i'm talking the 10xd the 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 lead weighted lucky crafts the Rapalas, where they've actually you know the bait itself is two to three ounces that's when i'll use braid um and i won't go heavier than 30 pound just will not do it absolutely at all but i will put a 20 pound fluorocarbon leader on there um to give me that little shock absorption um and another thing I'll do is I'll, I'll make a bimini twist, bimini twist at least three feet um, before my leader, gives me that little extra shock absorption I need, and that drives <laughs> freshwater guys nuts, um, like the hard darhard because they think that a bimini is a salt water and tech, it doesn't. Learn how to do a bimini. The knot itself is a shock absorber. You don't need more than 20 turns. Um, I, I I do uh, I do a, a, an 18 turn bimini. Uh, and it's, I've never had one break, um, but, you know, it's, it's a little, if you actually take the knot, take the line and and stretch it, you actually see the knot flex. It's very cool. Um, you know, it's, it's one of those that, that I'll use for those deep diving presentations. Um, but, you know, these are all things that y'all need to, to, to see and, and feel and have you know experience with you know take different line types and fish the same bait on them, and you'll notice a difference in how that bait will work, whether it'll work side to side, whether it'll pop really hard, whether it'll do a lot of things. you will see um things happening, okay. And you'll make that, that that connection. Ah, that's what he was talking about. And it'll make you a better angler. When you know, then a the situation comes up that you, you're you going, you know what, I'm working this bait, but it's just not right for whatever reason. Let's say there's a, a higher salinity, salinity level in the water. Maybe there's um, less oxygen. Oxygen depends on, you know, is a huge factor in how your bait will work. And most guys don't realize that. Is that if you have a lake that is just filled with oxygen, right, it's just choked with, with plant life that are just pushing tons of oxygen in, in that lake. You'll find that you'll have areas where that bait works perfect. Go to another one near that grass, and you start working it, and it's just not working correctly. And you keep going, man, I keep on snagging up on the grass. It's not touching the grass. It's just thicker water. You know, these are all <clears throat> things that <clears throat> when you get and you start realizing and learning you know through the, through the through the freshwater scene are all factors and all things that you need to consider um and you can adapt to them that's why KVD is KVD that's why he can go out there and break down a lake and and, and be able to to bounce with it you know like like Biggie does you know bounce with it bounce with it i mean that that's what he does and that is why he is so success, successful he can you know flow with it this sunday huge you know, learning curve for me but we'll get to that in one second we're going to take a quick break we'll be right back with more of the low sodium show only on the kayak fishing radio if I can find it network we'll be right back.
2: if you are looking for rigging solutions for your kayak, canoe or paddle board from a pad eye to an anchor trolley or even lighting up your kayak at night or pre-dawn Yak Gear and Railblazer are the answer Visit us at yak-gear.com or visit your local kayak shop. Ask for Yak Gear and Railblazer products.
0: So, Matt. Good question for you, buddy. How I'm much do you love Jackson kayaks?
1: Oh. Man, that big rig that I got shipped over here a couple weeks ago, I just pulled the plastic right. off it this past weekend and man I'm in love.
0: <laughs> and why don't you tell folks about the great addition that you have ad- are going to be adding to your Big Tuna, or Big Rig. Tuna. That's right.
1: The Big Rig is an enormous boat and uh, uh, an amazing, amazing fishing platform. Although I haven't fished off it yet, I, I already see its advantages. And uh, the double advantage to my personal Big Rig is I'm going to slap a Torquedo electric motor on the back of it. There and you zoom.
0: go. Go big, go big. You know, and that is the great thing about Jackson Kayaks and the Big Rig, the Big Tuna, the Kusa, or the Kudo, or the Chilroy, which is a bad boat. Um, rigging solutions are your mind's control. Okay. So go out there, test drive at Jackson, and find Juke Comfort. Tell them where you think you find them there, Matt. You can either go
1: to your local dealer and ask to, to paddle or, or test drive at Jackson Kayak, or you could find us online at jacksonkayak.com.
0: All right, we're back with more of the low sodium show on the Kayak Fishing Radio Network. Um... We're gonna delve real quick into um, tips and colors that I use um, on my kayak, on, on my tie, uh, we talking kayaks now. Jeez. On my flukes, on my Senkos, um, on my weightless techniques. Now, if I work in a fluke weightless, um, and we'll get to the Lake Anna Sunday in a second. If I'm working a, a fluke weightless, okay. Um, I'm using three colors, three main colors primarily. Okay, I'm going to use an color, a pearl um, coloration, a white coloration bait. That's going to be your shad. It's also your template. Okay, I highly recommend you buy the 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 the, the markers, the plastic markers that are out there. Uh, same people that make the dip it. Okay, they make it in a marker style with blues, reds, and chartreuse. Um, I have a black, a blue, a green, and a chartreuse, and one red. Uh, that's almost dead. And what I'll do is I'll add a stripe of chartreuse down the side of the, of the bait. If I'm in an area where I have, you know, shad that have a dark back on them, you know, I'll I'll, I'll marker the, the back of it, Um you know, I'll add little dots of red on the bait. You know, blue here or there. You know, these are all things that, you know, will set you apart from the twenty other guys throwing a throwing an albino fluke, You know that you know, or, or weight or, or or style that will set you apart and you put more fish in your boat. Um, another color I really love to have on board is a watermelon color. Watermelon, red flake, blue flake. You know, uh, Houdini. You know, all those variations of that watermelon color are very, very, very effective because that's mimicking that bluegill, that brim. And then the last color I use is a red color. Um, and red falls in that bubblegum, um, you know, that, that Texas color. When I'm in really stained, brackish uh, water where you pull out that bass and he is so dark, you know, that's where I'll use the reds. I think they can see it better. It's a visual technique, so you need to have them see it. And I think that red color really stands out, really comes in, in, in handy. Um, now, for my Seiko's I have five main colors, okay? Watermelon, green pumpkin, um, one of my favorite colors that no one really likes to use, um, but I found it to be an... Excellent color is a um, is a uh, baby bass color. I, some guys use them, a lot of guys don't. Um, but I really like using baby bass, uh, especially in the fall. Um, another color I really like is June bug. It is a very solid colored color in those muddy, you know, dark stained waters. And the last one is motor oil. It is the solid color for nighttime. It is a solid color for dark stained waters again. And I find that I'll use, that the motor oil really works best in lakes with a leech
3: population, rivers with a leech, heavy leech population.
0: And you can find that they are that solid. Um, You know, those are the main colors I use. And the Senko colors are the same colors I use for the creatures, the same colors I use for, you know, uh, finesse worms. That's one I haven't talked about. But if I'm really looking for, if I use it a lot of times, when I have a worm hatch, there are several lakes that I've been to where they have a well, a small worm hatch. It might be only 24 hours, but I can mimic that worm hatch again with a uh, trick worm, with uh, a ribbon tail worm. Um, You know, very, very solid. Another great technique with, you know, soft plastics is actually running a worm on top. And what I'm looking for is a heavy, heavy heavy-tailed worm, okay? I'm looking for a really stout tail. And what I'll do cast it on a weightless setup and just scream it on the surface. That tail will plop and flop and do its thing or just run barely underneath the surface, and it is deadly. Absolutely deadly when I'm looking at you know very thin bait fish, okay. Um, when I'm looking for those, um, you know, when I'm looking in, in a in a body of water that has a thin shad like a thread thin or you know uh, juvenile gizzard shads especially because they're so thin, um,
1: and, and
0: you know emaciated that it is just Solid, absolutely solid setup. So, you know, those are all things that I use to, you know, on a weightless setup to work the water and work the column as well. You know, like I said, you can let a bait sink to, to the depth that you want without a whole lot of, of extras needed, if that makes any sense. So get out there and try them. You will not be disappointed. Now, little tricks that I use. Um, I always have... um, I always have in my bag of tricks glass rattles. Okay, the ones you can insert in the plastics... Okay, I've always got them in my in my repertoire. They are great for when I have that slight stay in the water where I need to make a little bit more racket. Very very versatile setup. Um, you know, just just right in the right in the body, just right there. Um, gives it that little more rattle. A little more of a a presence. makes it sound like those scales are really working hard. Um, Now, if I really need to make a lot of racket, I am in really dirty water. Or those bass are really being... They're not being as aggressive as I want. Okay? I will put a a piece of uh, super glue. Okay? And I'll put a glass rattle on the tail of one of my baits. Or move it up, for, if I'm using a fluke, I'll move it to the head and, and, and glue it on there. So it's not in the bait, it's more out of the bait. So it's making a lot more noise, a lot more rattle. If it's, you've got a fluke with a split belly, stick it inside there. And I'll stick it right underneath the, shank, right underneath the point of the hook is where that glass rattle will go. Because I know it's not going to get in the way when that bass bites. Um, you know, I'll do that. Um, another great way is skipping it. Even if you're in open water, brr right over top of the surface, okay? And what that does is it's a commotion on the surface that gets the bass to look up, right? There's a the bait working over top, and they'll follow it and they'll eat it. Skipping along the surface is a great... It's like ringing the dinner bell, okay? It's giving them that, that warning to come and get it. Come and get it, boys! Then I'll work the bait. Pop, 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 pop. Um all these little things you know I have learned um you know I I've taken rattles from uh from jigs taken you know the internal rattle jigs uh rattles from jigs busted them off and take them out and put them in there um if I need a, a little more descent or I need a really quick descent uh I'll put a nail in all my my baits works very well, gets it down fast and deep, um, you know, without bulking up the bait. And my last tip is this. When you thread that bait on there, okay, and it, it's grained in our brains, you've been doing this long enough, to make sure that you cover up the eye of the hook with your plastic. Don't do that, okay? What that does, it actually makes that, that plastic in the front move. And what will happen is you'll start getting the bait to spin. You don't want it to spin unless you're, you know, it's on a fall. You know, that, that corkscrew, what I'm talking about, when you're, when you're snapping it. You don't want that. And that happens because the line will, will, will slide in the eye and get kinked and kind of spin that head just ever to the slightest. And it makes that bait not work as correctly. Really, really, um, makes it tough. Um, now, let's talk about Sunday. Uh, we got fishaholic in the uh, in the chat room. Uh, say hello, say hello. There, fisho. Um, and Sunday met with uh, uh, fishaholic and Zach um, at Lake Anna again in the private side. Um, and we, we decided to go fishing, and we went off of previous knowledge, again, two weeks ago, what the bass are doing, and this is a major fault of my own. We added some new techniques, we added Alabama rigs, we, we tried Senkos, cranks, lipless cranks, but we just weren't finding the fish in the first part of the day. Now, that could be attributed to, uh, (coughs) um, that Friday, we had a know we used to move through, the barometer fluctuated 10, 15 points. It was really tough. Um, I made things very, very difficult. With that being said, I knew the bass were there. I was having bites. I was having follows. They just weren't eating. And I was getting very frustrated, okay, to say the least. I had lost a, a rig. You know, I have lost a few baits. You know, the, the stress monkey... You know what? Uh, the, 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 the stress monkey was sitting there, punched me in the eyeball, poking me in the eye, you know, choking me out. Because I knew I needed to put fish on the. Uh, I, this was a test, a barometer of my abilities for this tournament coming up, and it was just driving me insane. Um, hey Matt. Yeah. Hey, check the chat. Um. You know, these were all, you know, it was just killing me. We finally moved around, and we got to a spot, you know, uh, that I knew was going to be really heavily pressured. It was really, you know, boats were blowing through. It was a bridge. So I set up, tossed out uh, a shaky head, Tommy Head Jigs, with a uh, a finicky tickler, uh, power team lure, um, and watermelon red flake. Worked along the bottom, and I felt rock. I knew it was in a good spot, felt that dunk, set the hook, pulled in a 13-inch bass. And you have no idea what that did for my whole psyche. I was able to take that stress monkey and punch him in the taters and throw him off the kayak, right? I was in the zone. I had a bite. I had a piece of a puzzle. I knew, yes, we had something, finally. I had a fish in the boat. Just kept on fishing, changed techniques, kept on switching, and I went through a lot of stuff. <coughs> when I mean a lot of stuff, the deck of my kayak was filled with with, ex, with, with baits. Um, <laughs> you know, just absolutely covered in in in, in baits. Did some more fishing. Wasn't getting a bite. Wasn't getting a bite. Went to a, a crankbait. Threw the crankbait out over, you know, around a bend. Boom. Caught another bass. Um, you know, now I'm, now I'm in the zone. Boom. Catch another one. Okay. Shad. They're eating shad off of, you know, off of those points. Off of that, that, that flat that came down with wood and rock. It came down. They were on that edge. Now I had it. Went around. Not getting anything, not getting anything, not getting anything and i get to a spot and i'm sitting there and i'm going back in my in my my memory to um to to previous knowledge and that knowledge was white flukes okay for whatever reason this bit this like is a a a untold secret is white flukes. So, I asked Jeff, said they have any on me, get a white fluke, he's like, yeah, hands it to me, I rig it, first, third cast, okay, I'm working it in, I'm standing, and I'm standing on soft plastics, I'm standing on um, hard baits, I'm standing on On, on stuff you don't want to stand on in the kayaking world, okay? And I'm over on my left-hand side, and I'm working this bait back in all off-center, when all of a sudden I, I twitch it, and I watch it spin, and I watch it disappear behind a big bass body, a big bass for the day. I set the hook. I almost fall in. I sit back down. It, it literally looked like I was about ready to go in, real spastic, rain in, 18 and a half. Rock on. You know, biggest bass of the day. Couldn't believe it. Got some pictures. Kayak wars. Rocked it. Released that bass. And we found a really cool pocket. You know, caught another bass on the fluke. Now all everything's coming together. Go to exit the spot, and there's a long, sandy point. Get in there tossed that fluke over the edge of the incident with Jeff Um, Jeff was in front of me and I casted and his cast was you know about parallel but he was drifting towards me and I was drifting towards him and I'm working that bait and uh, you know I was like you know here comes a bass kaboosh like I will usually do and working that bait working that bait working that bait and this bass comes up and just annihilates it maybe five to six feet off of Jeff's kayak boom Hook up with him, goes underneath the boat, uh, rods get tangled into his stuff, and it was just mayhem for a little while. Brought him in seventeen and a half, you know, that that really got me going, you know. And literally, we were catching bass now. Now now we had everything. We were all throwing you know albino colored flukes, Um, except for Zach. Uh, Zach had a really tough day. He just you know he had bites. He just couldn't put him in the boat. It all happened to so all of us, and uh, we are going to make fun of him for it for a while. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we all found it, and it started really working for us. We started finding the fish. We started moving a little faster, you know, and the, the fish started coming in a greater, you know, trend. Granted, none of them were, were monsters, you know, the eighteen and a half and the seventeen and a half were you know the biggest of the day, but you know we were catching twelve to thirteen inches pretty regularly um, and you know it was one of those days that um you know like I said zach couldn't couldn't put him in the boat it happens okay you know and and like I said, he'll probably come out next trip and just annihilate all of us. Um, but, um, but for today, (laughs) um, you know, it was one of those things that just worked great. Um, you know, Jeff caught three. Um, I think my end total for the day was, uh, between 11 and 13 bass. you know, and, and none of them came the first six hours we were out in the water it was the last three three and a half that we started putting fish in the boat you know and that's how quickly it can change how quickly you can change um the conditions or create a new new variable in the game and uh really do well and i'm kicking myself again because i knew going into it i was going to want to throw flukes and i didn't because i was so in intro- so focused on my Previous success in that lake. That it overwhelmed me. And really, really affected the game in the long run. You know, if I would have known, I would have thrown the bait earlier. Now, I, now is when my head starts running. If I would have thrown that bait earlier, would I have put more fish in the boat? Would I had more fish? Would we have caught more fish? All things to consider. But now... I have three or four solid ideas about that lake. That when I go back there <coughs> for my tournament in April. My next, after this, I have a tournament in March. The next one after that is my tournament on Anna. I have a pattern-ish setup of baits I need to bring to be successful. So, get out there and have some fun with it. Uh now we've got a caller. Uh Jesse uh wants to talk about the Midwest Great Lakes Hobie Tournament. What's going on, man?
3: Hey, how's it going, Mark?
0: Doing good, bud. How are you going?
3: Oh, things are good. Still uh still rather cold up here in Illinois. We don't have the uh, the fluke bite going on just yet.
0: No, you've got the uh the frozen bite.
3: Yeah. I've got about four <laughs> and a half
0: feet of ice right down the road from me. <laughs> Oh, man. I can't do it. I just couldn't do it. So but, uh, what do you got on this to, Midwest uh,
3: tournament,
0: man? The what's that? What's the, what's the deal with this Midwest tournament, man? Um, It's actually not
3: the Midwest series that you're uh, seeing posted up. This is the Great Lakes kayak fishing series. Uh, Hobie's nice. putting it on up here. It's going it's to be a three-tournament series. Uh good part about this is it's uh it's a little bit of everything for Sweetwater. Um our first tournament's gonna be May third in Fox Lake, Illinois, and that's gonna be for Walleye on the uh anybody that's around the Chicagoland area that's on the chain of lakes. Uh then we're moving down a little bit south to Ottawa, Illinois, uh at Heritage Harbor on June fourteenth, and that's gonna be probably our big turnout for largemouth bass.
0: Nice. And
1: then,
3: the, uh, the game-changer that a lot of people are not familiar with, and unless you get up to the Northwest, you're not going to see too much of, but September 6th, will be in Manitowoc, Wisconsin, uh, going after King Salmon.
0: <laughs> Rock on. I was going to ask Excellent. you that, if you guys are going to do uh, any salmon fishing in that tournament series. Uh,
3: I, I'm working a, uh, a second shift right now, so I haven't been up. Um, my partner in crime on this one uh, that's actually running most of the show is Rob Wendell, uh, one of Hobie's Pro Staffers, and I believe he's going up uh, to chase some brown trout, steelhead, and king salmon out of one of the major harbors. I won't give away his spot just yet, but... Oh, yeah. The, uh, oh, hey, no, Andy, do you have a I,
1: website for the
3: tournament? Um, I actually posted up on uh, Yak Angler uh, on their calendar... Uh, Facebook is where they're posting everything up, and if you just okay. do a search for Great Lakes kayak fishing series, it'll pop up for you. Got okay. cool.
0: Yeah, I, I see those guys up in the Great Lakes catching those salmon, and you know, in the harbors with uh, big globs of, um, uh, you know, trout eggs or whatever they're they're using, and you know, pulling in these monster salmon, or they're using like uh, like a shad rat. You know, and just working it real fast around the the boats, and all of a sudden, they get taken out. Yeah, and Off. It's,
3: it, it's a blast. You're using, you know, nine-foot medium-action rods that are just, I mean, you're using it as a shock absorber because you're running, you know, six pounds, six-pound fluoro to get on them.
1: Wow. Okay, those of you who might be uh, interested in the tournament... The website is http colon slash slash www.facebook.com slash GLKFS. That stands for the Great Lakes Kayak Fishing Series. And uh, it looks like all the information is online right there. So, right, so I'll post it up in the chat room. And uh, if you are listening to the podcast, it's facebook.com slash GLKFS.
3: That's it. awesome. And uh, sign-ups are going to begin March 15th for that. So if you uh, like the page and start following the page, you'll start seeing all the updates for all the sponsors that are coming in as soon as, as soon as people start getting on board.
0: Nice. Love to have you on next week. We're running out of time uh, talk more about this because it's one of those t- those things that I really enjoy talking about. Um, I don't talk about enough, enough of it. So we'd love to have you on next week, man. Does that sound cool. Sounds good.
1: Excellent. Yeah, and don't 8:00 forget 8:00. the uh, the other tournament that we were speaking about, the Midwest Kayak Fishing Series. That's starting April, going through July. Three parts of it are online, and one part's live in July.
0: There you go. And to all the Virginia Beach, Virginia Bass League members who are listening in right now, hope you have the best of luck this weekend. I am going to fish it as well. Um, For those that don't know, check them out on Facebook, Virginia Bass League. Um, it's free. You have an opportunity of winning some great prizes. And it's catch photo, photo release. So all you kayakers out there, get into it. It'll be a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, you know, best of luck to everyone. Stay safe. And, uh, I'm going to see some big fish. Hopefully you can beat me. Um, (laughs) now I see that I won't catch, I won't catch butt kiss. Um. But, uh, uh, one more
1: know. for you when you get when you know, let me know one all right we got the uh, the best of two worlds combined the uh, Susquehanna Flats in Maryland. This combines spawning striped bass up in the brackish waters of the Susquehanna Delta uh, combined nice. with largemouth bass, catfish uh, perch and I believe smallmouth bass and uh, this is happening on April 12th All proceeds benefit uh the uh, heroes on the water of new jersey, delaware, maryland and pennsylvania. and you could sign up. oh man, i don't have the website on hand, so i'll get that to you next week.
0: okay. sounds like but a that's, plan. that's
1: uh yeah, bringing the salt water and the fresh water together there and that's in april.
0: yeah, april i love fixing date. the flats. and guess what? the weightless loop technique or the weightless bait technique kills them. just saying. <laughs> Um, well, when they're on the flats, and you can see them working uh, you know, bait on the flats, it is deadly. Um, just You don't even have to get close to them. Just get it where they can see it. And you can see them coming from 50 yards away, chasing down your fluke. Uh, it's awesome. Um, but, like I said, we are running out of time. With that being said, I'd like to thank all of my personal sponsors, Jackson Kayak, Orca Coolers, Bull Bay Rods. Check them out. Humongous deal on the new tactical series of rods. Literally, a $200 rod. You can buy one now for 140 bucks. Have it made in, it, in in your hands. Just awesome stuff. Check them out, bullbayrods.com. Tommy Head Jigs. Tommy's back at it and going on strong. Definitely check him out, tommyheadjigs.com. Unfairlures.com. Yak Angler and... All those out there, you, the listeners, who make this possible. Matt, your sponsors, buddy? Jackson Kayak. Why
1: power the rest when you can paddle the best? Bending Branches Paddles. Awesome paddles, definitely. Uh, Ram mounts. Uh, Any type of mount you can think of to outfit your kayak with, Ram mounts has got it. Made in the USA.
0: There you go. Cool. So with that being said, thanks, Jesse, for calling in. Love having you on. See you next week. Um, <laughs> all those in the chat room, uh, Fisher Hollick. oh, what's going on, Eskimo did see you jump in, what's going on, man, long time, no see, bud. Yak fishing yeah, on sm- and everyone snuck else. in about a half hour ago. <laughs> nice. So thank <laughs> yeah. you all for coming in, love you. um, and, uh, oh, it is Jesse, what's going on, dude? <laughs> cool. So with all that being said, take a kid fishing change of life. Alright? Get out there and do it. Always wear your PFD. It does you no good if it's floating away. And, if you get out to go fishing this weekend, remember to get your fish on, man! (laughs) Ha ha! Have a great night, everybody. Catch you next week. We're out here. The Low Sodium Show. Yeah, get on it. Good night, everybody.